0: Well, good morning everyone, it's a blessing to be with you this morning. And whether you are joining us from Minnesota, or across the country, or maybe even across the world. It is definitely a blessing to be with you, and I am excited about the opportunity to share some hope and some encouragement with you uh, during this time for the beginning of your week and for the beginning of your day. Well, it's been about two and a half weeks since, and I'm going to be quoting the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air here, since our lives got flipped, turned upside down. And two and a half weeks is enough time for us to begin to get a feel for what it's like to live in a type of quarantine. And I pray that you and your families are staying healthy and doing the things you need to do um, to stay safe. I also continue to encourage you to follow the direction of our government, as at least here in Minnesota. For one, we have been given a shelter-in-place uh, encouragement and order. Um, But I think uh, there's been some things over the last two and a half weeks that I've begun to observe about what I'll call the quarantine life. Have you made any observations about the quarantine life? (laughs) Um, One of them is this. I've noticed that when it comes to the quarantine life, that it includes a lot of walks, like a ton of walks. Like, I don't know that I've ever walked as much in a two and a half week period than I have in the last two and a half weeks. Um, Another thing I've observed is that there is lots of family time, a lot of family time. And it's kind of ironic because if you were with us this past summer, uh, I made mention about how I was kind of not looking forward to this year. Uh, because our family was going to be split up as our oldest son was going off to college. Well, that's kind of been taken care of in a way, I guess. And uh, we are together a lot right now. And truthfully, it actually is one of the blessings of the last two and a half weeks. Um, But an observation is that we've had to adjust. We've had to figure out how to... um, how to figure out our schedules uh, as school online has started for the kids. Uh, We've had to figure out how to find some some space to get work done, and um, also how to keep food in the pantry. I wonder if you have any observations about the quarantine life. If you do, you can share them in the chat box right now. But this is a new season for all of us, and there's new blessings, um, but also a lot of new challenges. And one of the things that a lot of people have begun to feel as we have not been able to be around our coworkers or our classmates or um, other friends, even here at church, is that a lot of people are starting to feel a little bit isolated, um, starting to feel a little bit unto themselves. And that feeling of being lonely is a, a very real thing. And, and thank the Lord for things like the internet, where we're still able to see people that we love and we know through Skype or Zoom or through FaceTime, but it's just not the same. Like, it's not the same for me to be preaching here in the middle of a room with nobody in the seats versus looking forward to the day when these seats are all filled again. And when it comes to feeling lonely, um, I guess one encouragement for you is to think about and to pray about and to even reach out to people who maybe don't have someone that they're with right now to, in Christian love, call them up, ask them if there's anything you can do for them, pray with them on the phone, maybe even share a passage with them. There's a lot that we can do to help. But as much as we can do to help, Today in our message, there is something that's even more powerful and better and more helpful in those seasons when we're feeling alone. We are in a series called Before I Go, and what we're doing is we're looking at a conversation that Jesus had with the disciples the night before he died. What would you say to the people around you if you knew you were going to die in the next 12 to 24 hours? I bet you'd be really careful with your words. I bet you'd choose the most important things to say. Probably wouldn't talk about fantasy football or cooking necessarily. It's exactly what Jesus did. In these verses that were recorded by his friend John, who was in the room with them in John chapter 14 through 17, we see Jesus choosing the most important things he felt he needed to share with his disciples before he would die and rise again and eventually ascend into heaven. And one of the things that Jesus knew about the disciples in this new season that they'd be entering is this, that they would have the feeling of loneliness. I mean, just think about it for a moment. Sometimes lonely can happen when you're totally isolated from anybody and everybody. But there's another type of loneliness that maybe you've experienced, especially maybe if you are a widow or a widower, Or maybe you're a child uh, or an adult child who lost a parent. It doesn't just mean that you have to be by yourself to feel lonely. Sometimes it's when that important person is no longer with you that loneliness kicks in. The disciples had been with Jesus almost every single day for three years. They had left their hometown for him. They had left their jobs for him. They had left their families for him. And now Jesus would be leaving. The man who walked with them and taught them and directed them, gave them new purpose and even a mission in their life. It would be a big hole to fill. And the disciples most definitely would have feelings of loneliness. But here's the thing. Jesus knew that. He knew how they'd be feeling, and so he talked about it with them. Here's the encouragement that he gave. It's our, our first fill in, and then we'll see what Jesus did. It's this that no matter the season, no matter the season you're experiencing, no matter who's around you or who's not around you, no matter the season, you are never alone. And maybe that encouragement is exactly what you needed to hear today. That in a season that's flipped, turned upside down, that you are not alone right now. You see, Jesus not only understood how they were feeling, he also was going to do something about it. So let's turn to John chapter 14. We're going to begin with verse 15 and 16. And right there in the beginning, we're going to see what Jesus' plan was for them in this season. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. This is how they would show that they are part of God's family, by following God's commands. If you love me, keep my commands. And as you show yourself to be a part of my family, and then I will ask the Father, God the Father, and he will give you another Advocate, to help you, and to be with you forever. So we need to talk about that word advocate. Actually, it's a pretty tricky word in the Greek. So tricky that different English translations have a really hard time picking one English word to define it. The Greek word is paraclete, but the words that you see in different English translations are words like advocate, or counselor, or helper, encourager. I think all of those words kind of limp a little bit. So what does that weird Greek word paraclete actually mean? It's two Greek words, para and "clete," coming together. The literal translation of it is this, that it's someone who's called to walk next to, or to walk next to you. And what Jesus is saying here is that I have been your advocate, your paraclete for the last three years. And when I leave, I'm going to send you another one. Another person to walk with you and to be next to you. Who would that be? Well, he continues. I'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That is the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit, capital S, the the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but yet one God is a little bit of a mystery, and we don't have time to dig into all the nuances of how that can be. But the reality is this. We have one God, and there are three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And Jesus said that as I, as the Son, am going to be dying and rising again and ascending into heaven and leaving you, that I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. God is going to remain with you. In fact, it continues, the world cannot accept this because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This idea that the Holy Spirit is with you is something that until you have faith, it's a hard thing to understand. It's a hard thing to accept. But here is the awesome news. Jesus said, even though you cannot see me physically, and that would be true for the disciples, and of course, it's true for you and me as well. Even though we cannot see God physically with our eyes, that he is going to be with us forever ever, all the time. God is with you when the economy is awesome and the 401k is full. God is walking with you when the economy is in the tank and you're not sure what tomorrow brings. God is with us, Jesus says. The Holy Spirit is with you and I for. Ever. Our second fill-in is simply this, that Jesus' gift to his people is the Holy Spirit, all of the time. I have a picture here to show you. Um, this is a, a picture of me and my dad from over a decade ago, and does anyone recognize what's in the background? Um, This is the the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Um, Just on the other side of that wall, kind of where those trees are, was the place where God's temple used to stand. And for some of you, you might know this, but let's do a quick review. Uh, The temple was not just like any church building. There's very special symbolism, but also reality of God's temple. You see, it was the special presence of God here on this earth. And to get even more specific, there was a room called the most holy place where it was said that God's presence dwelt. His holy, powerful presence was right in that room. And in fact, if you went in that room on the wrong day or in the wrong way, that sinful people like you and me would would die. Well... In the first century, here's what happened. The Roman armies invaded Jerusalem, and after a conflict with the Jewish soldiers and the Jewish army, the Roman army overtook Jerusalem, and they were so upset by the challenge that the Jews had of them that they decided, in spite, to totally destroy the temple, the place where the Jews still believed that God's presence was. They tore apart every stone, totally demolished it. There's no remnant of it left. And so the wailing wall is the closest point to where Jews can get to where God's presence was. But here's the thing. They're wailing and weeping because they're waiting for his presence to come back. They're wailing and weeping and putting little prayers even into the the little cracks in the stone because they don't believe that God's presence is with them until that temple is rebuilt. It is a challenge to go through life wondering if God is with us. But Jesus said, I'm going to send you a paraclete. He's going to walk with you. Every step in the good days and in the bad, in the hills and in the valleys. And in fact, it gets even more, I would say, close than that. See, in that same first century that the temple was destroyed, there was a pastor named Paul, and he wrote some verses in a letter to the Corinthian Christians. And here's what he wrote. He wrote this. That don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit doesn't live in a building or in a room or in the most holy place anymore. God's spirit actually lives in you. And he lives in me. So once again, in context, Jesus is saying, until the last day when I return." It's going to be different. You're not going to be able to see me like you did. You're not going to be able to touch me. You're not going to be able to have a meal with me like you once did. But you don't have to feel like you're all alone. Because I'm sending you the gift of the Spirit. As God, he is just as powerful as I am. And he can bring the same comfort as I do. That in a very real way, as the Spirit walks with you, so do I, Jesus says. You are blessed because the Holy Spirit is a gift that you have. And because of him, you will never be alone. Now, what does the Spirit do in us? We're his temple. What's he doing? We've had an entire sermon series on this, so there's a lot more than that could be said than what I have time for this morning. But maybe a few quick things. Um, The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us to faith in that gospel message of Jesus as Savior. He's the one that makes that grow into trust in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us fight against sin and gives us the strength and encouragement to live differently than we would on our own. You think of those fruits of the Spirit like goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and patience, and on and on. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in us to increase our trust and our confidence, even in the difficult days and the difficult seasons. There is so much I could say about the Holy Spirit's work, but I love how Jesus puts it because it's so simple, and yet I really believe it's at the heart of all the things I already mentioned. A little later in his discourse with the disciples, he says this. He The Holy Spirit, what will his job be? He will glorify me. He will glorify Jesus because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Here's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit shines a spotlight on Jesus. Now, I know we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. But shining a spotlight on Jesus, it's not the natural way that our hearts lean. The natural desire of our heart is to shine a spotlight on ourselves, to shine a spotlight on me. We have this inner inclination that if something needs to get done, then I need to do it And if something isn't right, then I need to control it. I need to figure it out. I need to fix it. I need to be in control. I think one of the big things that this season has taught me is that as much as I like to think that I'm in control of things, how little I truly am in control of how much I like to think that I have everything planned out. Things can change so easily and so quickly. And to put the spotlight on me, well, that's not going to help at all. What the Holy Spirit does is he takes that spotlight and instead of it being focused on us, he turns it and focuses it on Jesus. How does that work? How does that practically sound and feel? Well, let's go through a couple things. We have the desire to be in relationship with God. There's this inner desire in all of us and some of us want to suppress it. And maybe for some of you who are watching this and you're just kind of coming back to God, possibly for the very first time, you know what I mean, that even while you were far, there still was this desire to have a relationship with God. That's why you're here. With the spotlight on ourselves, we try to work our way into that relationship by being good, by being a healthy contributor to society. And that hopefully, on the day that I die, I've done enough so that God might accept me into his family. But when the spotlight is on Jesus, instead the Holy Spirit teaches us it has nothing to do with you. You are a screw-up, Ben. You are a mess-up. You're never going to be good enough to earn your way to heaven, but you don't need to. Because I have a big old spotlight on Jesus and on the cross, and he has done it for you, and he gives it to you as a gift. Or how about this? Um, we have the desire to be more loving and patient and forgiving. Another thing I think that all of us want and desire, go back to that last, the other slide, please. All of, another thing we all desire and we all want. And we can read lots of books and read lots of blogs and the 10 keys of this and the five steps to that. And I'm not saying that books aren't important, but what the Holy Spirit would tell us is this, that new life in Christ, that's the key. That books are good, but Jesus and his working in us is the key. Or how about this? We have the desire to feel better. I mean, this is one that I think hits really close to home right now during this season. Because what I'm reading and what I'm hearing is that there are so many of us and maybe even some people here on this live stream today who want to feel better but have been turning to short-term solutions. With the focus on ourselves, we, we try to medicate ourselves, whether that be with certain websites that we shouldn't be on, or a drink or a few drinks to help numb the pain a little bit. And on and on. We find all these different ways when the focus is on ourselves to try to make ourselves feel better, but none of them work, not in the long term. It's only the Holy Spirit working in us and through us who points us to Jesus and reminds us what? What? That he has given us the paraclete to walk with us and to give us the strength that we need every single day. Here's a a very practical question then. I'm guessing that you want more faith than you want fear. So, what are you feeding? What is it of the two that we're feeding on a daily basis? I think a lot of times we can pray, pray, pray for faith, and yet if we look at our daily habits, we're filling up on fear. One pastor put it this way. It's like trying to fill a bucket with a hole in it with water. It's never going to work if you pray for faith and yet fill up with fear. What are the messages that we're watching? What are the things that we are reading? And in what type of quantity are we watching these things? How often, how much are we scrolling? Sometimes we just got to stop the scroll, literally, and turn it off, right? One positive thing I've seen on social media has been all of the sermons and the messages and the devotions that are out there. That That's a great thing. And, and here's how I would compare it. I would compare that to someone cooking a meal for you to eat, which is awesome when someone does that. But at some point for all of us, we need to learn to cook. It's good to eat someone else's meal. It's easier. But sometimes... And at some point, we need to learn to cook. And so starting on Monday, just tomorrow, we're going to have an opportunity for you to dig into the word in a very deliberate and daily way as we're gonna do an all-church Bible study plan that if you don't have a Bible study plan already that you're using, we would love for you to join us. We're gonna send out daily emails with a, little daily video that either Pastor Matt or I or maybe even some others are going to let you in on their devotion that morning. But the key to it is, first of all, going to be the Holy Spirit working through the word, but also you getting into the word on your own. After the message today, Pastor Matt's going to give you a little more details on how to sign up for that and, and how you can join us in that Bible reading plan. I, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for us to do that together. Now, one other thing about Bible study is this, that it's a building process. It's a building program, so to speak, that the Holy Spirit can do amazing things in a moment or in just a day. But if after a day or after a week or maybe even After the two weeks of the Bible reading plan, you don't feel amazingly different. Don't stop. It's a building program that the Holy Spirit over weeks and months will continue to reaffirm in you the promises of God, the grace of his son, and the plans that he has for you. And this daily building program, this daily habit, will most definitely be able to grow your faith, and your trust in this season and always. A couple more verses we want to look at before we're done this morning. Kind of shows what the result of the paraclete in our lives will be. It says this. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and remind you of everything I have said to you. You See, the Spirit's message is gonna be the same as Jesus' message, which makes total sense. It's gonna point them to Jesus and point them to the cross. Next verse. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the third time in the three weeks of this series that we're talking about peace. I don't know that there's any theme that could be more applicable than peace right now. And I want you to notice in these verses, Jesus says that he doesn't give peace as the world gives. The world gives peace based on circumstances. I like to call it the the peace when, we'll have peace when the coronavirus is gone, peace when the kids are back at school, peace when life is back to normal and everything has been confirmed that my job is safe and money is fine and finances are good, peace when. That's the type of the peace that the world gives and the world preaches and even that we on our own kind of fall into. But Jesus' peace is different. The peace that he gives is not a peace when, it's a peace because. Peace because of things that have already happened. We can have peace even when our very lives are threatened and someday when death is at our doorstep because Jesus died in our place and rose again in victory. We can have peace because we know that we're never alone, that God is with us and that Jesus promised his Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to walk with us every step of the way. We are not people who need to wait for a peace when, but instead we take great encouragement that God's peace is one that doesn't change because it's based on what's already happened. It's a peace because our last fill in for today is this peace is not the absence of a storm that's circumstance isn't it it's the presence of god in the midst of it peace is not the absence of a storm it's the presence of god in the midst of the storm It's felt like a storm, hasn't it? And it makes me think of Jesus in the boat on the Sea of Galilee when that boat and the 12 disciples were in the midst of a storm. And the disciples are freaking out and they're worried and they're afraid. They're scared. They have no peace, but guess what? peace is sitting in the boat with them. And Jesus stands up after, <clears throat> you have to read it for yourself, after he was napping, okay? He stands up, he looks at the storm, and he says, be calm. Be still. And the raging winds and the roaring waters Stop. God speaks and storms stop. God speaks and water comes out of rocks. God speaks and the lame walk. God speaks and the sick are healed. God lifts his hands and speaks. And anyone and everything has to obey. you are not alone. God walks with you. He's loved you enough to send his spirit to walk with you every step of the way. And until he decides to lift his voice and calm the storm, until that happens, he's promised to walk with you through it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that as your Son went to the cross, died in our place, and rose again, that he did not leave us to walk through life on our own, but in a very real, but in a very miraculous way that you continue to be with us. God sent his Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to be with us Lord, there's amazing power in the Spirit. As he points us to Jesus, may we take advantage of the opportunity that we have to be in the Word so that we might feed on that which we need the most and that through it our faith, our trust may grow. Lord, we confess that we haven't always trusted like we should but we leave this live stream in just a few minutes, not burdened by our sin, not burdened by our guilt, but instead refreshed and renewed by the announcement of sins forgiven and victory won. We pray this all in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.